Welcome to Bible study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Very happy to be with you again and thank you for tuning in with us. Today we have an amazing uh, Bible study and I hope that uh, our time allocated for this will be stretched enough to cover some of the topics today. We are going to talk about keys to family unity. Please stay with us, grab the Bible and uh, join us for this Bible study. But before that, I would like to just welcome again our panel. And thank you very much, everyone of you, for coming here. I'll start with you, Brenton. Thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to be here, Nick, and share the Word of God with our listeners. Len, thank you for your presence here. We enjoy you every time you can come. No need to thank me, and hello, listeners. And hi, Lija. Uh, good to have you with us also. Thank you uh, for thank joining God us. Thank God for this privilege. Yeah, I feel very privileged to study God's Word. Helen is our facilitator for today, and thank you, Helen, for uh, preparing this uh, Bible study, and welcome to the program. I um, pray to God that uh, you'll be uh, blessed by the Holy Spirit to lead us in this uh, wonderful discussion. I will hand the microphone right to you now. Thank you, Nick. It's a delight to be here, too. As you said, it's keys to family unity, and what we've been studying the last few weeks is family seasons. And you look around the world at the moment, and this is an age of self-help and do-it-yourself mentality. We feel that at times we're immune to issues and problems that cross our path, but we think sometimes that we have all the answers when really they just add to the issues before us. Could it be perhaps that we ourselves are self-deceived, that we become wise in our own eyes? I remember reading a, a short story and it said when a couple asked a pastor if he would perform their marriage ceremony, he proceeded to tell them that he likes to give several sessions of premarital counselling before performing weddings, to which they replied, we don't need counselling, we've both been married several times before. So, you know, wise in our own eyes perhaps, but this week we are going to study how to keep the family together and united in a divided world. So Len... We've got a text to kick off with. I think it's Philippians 4.13. Would you like to share what Paul had to say? Please? This text was written by the Apostle Paul, who had been through many experiences, had lost basically everything he had as a Pharisee, and he had this marvellous statement. He said, I can do everything through him, that of course is Christ, who gives me strength. That's a great text, isn't it? You know, that we can do all things or everything through Christ. So we need to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, don't we? That's one of the keys. It, we do. it makes yes. a difference. It makes Absolutely. a huge difference. Absolutely. I've observed it in my own life. You know, we all have stressful situations in our lives. And, of course, some people have nobody to turn to, no help. They battle on their own. Some of them don't do the battle very well. But when you have Christ in your life, you have a helper and you have someone to turn to. It's really good. I can recommend it to everybody. Thanks, Len. Brenton, would you like to lead off in prayer for us, please? Father in heaven, we come before you through Jesus, our Saviour, who died on the cross for us. And he said that he was peace. He was the one who was reconciling the world to God. Today we're going to be studying about family unity, but really family unity began in heaven when the unity that was in heaven broke up because of sin. But because of Christ's sacrifice, he has restored that link that was severed 
between heaven and earth. And we today are able to be part of the heavenly family of God. He asks us today to show that unity, that love for one another, that unselfishness, that willingness to put others before ourselves. Lord, we can't do that, but by the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. And as Len has just said, in quoting Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That includes the unselfishness and the love for one another that you have asked us to show. Lord, help us today in our study. Be here by your Holy Spirit. Speak to not only our hearts, Lord, but to those who are listening. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We know that only the cross of Christ removes the barriers that separates people from each other. Actually, walls separated worshippers in the Jewish temple, uh, men from men and Jews from Gentiles. But describing the unity of Jews and Gentiles in Christ, Paul used language that applies equally to other divisions between nations, people groups, social strata, and gender. But to create out of the two a single new humanity in himself, thereby making peace. So it's good news that helps couples to truly know one flesh unity in marriage. Also, by faith in Christ, long-divided families can be reconciled. Wow, isn't that really good news? Mm. Real good news. That gives hope, doesn't it? Yeah. It gives hope. Brenton... Um, I was discussing the other day with someone regarding the barriers that, were, that mm. we have in this world mm. and I see in looking at the life of Christ how he came to break down barriers. Can you give us a text on that please? We can, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So how did he do that? He did that by his death on the cross. Um, It's reflecting, the text that Paul has written here is actually reflecting what Lydia has just read, where if you went to the Jewish temple, there was actually a spot beyond which you could not go. There was actually a sign up on a low wall that said that any Gentile who went beyond this point would pay for it with their lives. Now, what Christ did in dying on the cross as he restored that link between heaven and earth but I think sometimes we forget we we think in terms of peace as something that God gives no, peace is not something God gives, peace is God Jesus is peace when we receive Jesus we receive peace and for our listeners, if you've never ever experienced that peace you need to be totally surrendered to the Lord in order to receive him when you receive him you receive that peace. It's a peace that enables you to last through anything. It doesn't matter how bad your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you have received Jesus, as Len read, I can do all things through Christ mm. who gives me strength. I think that's a wonderful promise. It is. I can't think of too many better promises in God's Word. Ephesians mm. 2.16, I believe, Renton also tells us how... Mm. Christ breaks down these barriers. It says, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Again, it's talking about the separation between Jews and Gentiles. Um, Unfortunately, God's plan for Israel was that they were to be a light to the world. They were actually to draw people to Jesus. 
They were to draw people to the true God. Unfortunately, what they did is they became an exclusive club and shut themselves mm. away from people so as not to be contaminated by them mm. because they'd learnt their lesson when they went to Babylon about uh, worshipping idols and that sort of thing. And when they came back from there, they thought the only way that they could keep themselves pure was to actually separate themselves from these other people. God's idea was the exact opposite of that. God's idea was that they were to be a light to other people and draw other people to Jesus. I like where it says <coughs> they were reconciled by the cross. Yes. And that's how he did it, wasn't it? Mm. He sacrificed his life. No cross, completely. no reconciliation. Correct. Right. Mm. Correct. But, you know, tell me, it's <coughs> one thing to quote Bible texts, isn't it, about oneness in Christ, but it's wholly another thing to experience it. And we've got a couple of good texts. I think, Len, you've got them for to share with us practical changes that Christ mm. actually brings into our lives that enables us to experience the oneness and unity which we've been promised. Well, I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible from Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 4 to 7, and I want to make a comment, then I'll read another. It says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now this points out that we can have a new life, a different life. The things that were a pain in the neck in our old lives changed. But I want to point out something interesting here. This is for our Sunday-keeping friends. Most people regard Sunday worship as pointing to the death and resurrection of Christ. Mm. But these texts I've just read are the texts that show that the commemoration of Christ's death and resurrection is through baptism. By immersion. Mm. Mm. By immersion, yes. Uh, I've just taken that for granted. Now I want to read to you from the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Wonderful text. And I've seen this operating in the lives of people whose lives have been worthless, hopeless, they've been on drugs, they've been doing all the th wrong things, and then they found Christ and were baptised into Christ, and they became beautiful people. I've got a picture of one of them in my mind right now. It, it brings about this beautiful change. It's like a metamorphosis where a, a, a pupa turns into a beautiful butterfly. Mm, yes. I've yeah. seen that as well. Yeah. Len, I've seen it on people before they come to Christ and, I, and one particular girl comes to my mind and she was very hard looking, you know, uh, if you know what I mean, mm. you know, yeah. in her face. Yeah. And when she gave her heart to the Lord, she was in so Soften. much peace. Yeah, the, the, her face actually Softening. softened. Mm. It was beautiful to see. Yes. 
I was just going to just bring a little bit of a different twist uh, because we talked about Israel and how they were uh, failing to um, to achieve what God was intending with them. Also, we consider ourselves like uh, a spiritual Israel, even if we are not on the line, uh, you know lineage of Israel by uh, blood, but by adoption, we are mm. Israel. And I would like to just bring this thing up because probably we can be harsh in regard to the Israelites, which they cut themselves from the Gentiles, we, we talked a bit earlier. The key point is that they forgot to look up to Jesus Christ, mm. even before the cross, because you remember that before the cross, Israelites, they were guided by God, they were shown uh, God's glory, and they were called to follow Him and represent Him. Now, when they treat their neighbor, and in this case, the you know the Gentiles, Gentiles uh, differently was the because Samaritans. the Samaritans because they lost the objective, if you like, the you focus. know the focus. Thank you, mm -hmm. Helen. That, that's why I was thinking mm -hmm. the word. Yeah. They yeah. lost the focus to look upon Jesus. Now, even today, for ourselves, even if we believe in Jesus Christ as crucified and risen, if we don't keep connected. We may do the same things, being judgmental, being uh, sure. uh, exclusivist, being uh, and so on and so on. That's what I want to just bring this up. The most important thing is to be connected to the cross, Absolutely. to Jesus Christ. Nick, Absolutely. isn't it important when a person comes into your church for the first time that if they don't feel connected, if they don't feel that the Spirit of God is here, they're, they're not going to stay. Mm. Mm. And I think as Christians, we have a responsibility to show Jesus to people. When people come to, to us, we, they should feel immediately that they are accepted. I have talked to people who have said to me, as soon as I walked into your church, I felt accepted. Mm. And another thing which I was <coughs> just thinking while I was um, speaking before, that... You know, during the time, Israel actually, as you just pointed out, Brenton, a bit earlier, they tried to to fulfill that um, call of being mm. separate from from the seen and from the hidden. You know, yeah. because God said that actually in the Bible, not to do anything with them, in which regard, mm. in regard to the seen. Yeah. For example, today we're coming across different groups of people. Now. Are we going to upheld some of their practices through acceptance? Of course not. No. Of course not. But because we are connected with God, then we'll accept them for the change and mm. give an, an, alternati mm. an alternative. Because that's the difficult part, I believe, today when mm. we lose that fine line in between mm. acceptance mm. of everyone, yes. but keep away from the sin. I hear the word coming through all the time, connecting. You know, we need to yeah. be connected. Once you've made that connection with Christ, how do you hold on to it, guys? How, you know, what can you do in your life to maintain that connectedness? Keep the connection. You have to how? be plugged in. How? Uh, through prayer Absolutely. and through studying His yeah. uh, God's Word. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, stay spiritual connected like in the the power of... Uh, electricity. Absolutely. And so, if you are connected, yeah. that's got to then flow out yeah. sure. to others as well, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I think I, uh, the comment I was going to make about the remaining connected or keeping that connection is 
you keep that connection by constantly being in contact with people. If you look at Jesus' life when he was on earth, Jesus was not some sort of solitary rambler who went from here and there. He was constantly in contact with people every day. And in being in constant contact with our fellow human beings every day, I believe you do keep that connection because the closer you come to Jesus and you meet somebody who doesn't know Jesus... I don't know about you, but in my life I feel so humble and I feel so sorry for these people that they don't know Jesus. And I say, Lord, show me some way in which I can reach out to these people and help them to know Jesus. Because for our listeners and for ourselves, if you don't know Jesus, you are a lost person. It doesn't matter about your education or how many cars you own or where you live or how many friends you have in the high places. It means nothing. The, the very important issue is to be connected to Jesus, to know that he loves you. By us being out there in the community, we are fulfilling what Christ said when he said, you are the salt of the earth. Salt so, is meant to preserve. Yeah. It's meant to purify and keep safe. So this connection, it's vertical yes. and it goes horizontal. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I you. would like to give another analogy about staying connected. Mm-hmm. How do you stay alive? The two basic things, the two prime, the prime basic things, is food and water. What about um, air? Yeah. Sorry, Lynn. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I, I missed that one. So I'll accept food, water, and air. Now, if you don't partake of food, water, and air, you don't you don't last very long. No. So, what this is building on what Brenton has said and what Lydia said to stay connected is that you have to have an intake of God and his word to stay alive. Yes. In, or, in other words, to, in order to have an out with focus, you have to have the intake first yeah. before you can yeah. be the salt was, of the earth. I thought that was interesting, you know, water, food, and air. You mm. know, it's we a good need analogy. To, yeah, it's a good analogy, but into my mind comes that we need God in our life, Jesus in our life, and the Holy Spirit. Same thing. Yes. Yeah. And also very simply, you know, another analogy of the um, circle. We are part of this circle of humanity. And uh, yes. if we aiming to come closer to Jesus, to know Jesus, automatically we'll come closer to each other, you know, because that's the center point, you know, yes. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if now we can be separated in various ways of uh, education, thinking, you know, social status and so on. But if we come closer to Jesus... We cut all those barriers down because we'll cut closer to each other like through the Jesus of Christ. Yeah. Yes. Come like to the, the heart. Of Jesus the is yeah. the centre. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Now, um, Lydia, I notice that Paul tells us about certain behaviours that we should and should not do. He gives us guidance, and uh, there's quite a list there in Ephesians. I think it's chapter four, twenty-four to thirty-two. Could you do a summary for us on that, please? Yes. Here we have a contrast between old man and new man and Paul is advising us to put on the new self and uh, to leave the the falsehood and uh, not to keep the the angriness towards others overnight just to come and repent and confess our sins and uh, about the talk of our mouths should be in a way that to build others and uh, uh, also, it says that to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, 
brawling and slander along with every form of malice and to be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving one another just in as in Christ God forgave us yeah and if you you were to study closely that those texts to me it sounds like a good recipe for a good relationship within and without marriage doesn't it you know don't let the sun go down on your wrath how many people That's get angry very good and you know you go to bed and and you face the wall and you're steaming and <laughs> you, you don't have a good sleep, sleep. yes mm. whereas if you can rationally talk it out and um, put self aside you'll sleep much better and the closer we come to Christ the nearer we shall be to one another and also uh, in the family circle uh, between husband and wife or between father and son between you know parents and children uh, there is Christ there that stands between everybody as a mediator whether the people are seeing or observing or not we cannot establish a direct contact outside ourselves except through him Jesus Christ through his word the Bible and through our following of him so really, this is what we've all been talking about, haven't we? Uh, we really need to accomplish it by surrendering to Jesus, asking him to be the centre of our life and our relationships, mm. and his cross should be the focus of our unity mm. through, through all that. Okay, well, let's just move on. Lots of specific prayers in Scripture. But Jesus prayed many specific prayers, did he not? Mm, yes. He did. Okay, Brenton, share with us one of his prayers in John seventeen twenty two, and tell us what you think was in his mind when he made this prayer. This is an interesting prayer because as far as I can tell, it's one of the very few prayers in either the Synoptic Gospels or the book of John where the whole of Christ's prayer is recorded. Mm. We are told that he prayed all night, but we're not told what he prayed all night. So John seventeen twenty two says this, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. The question I asked myself, Helen, uh, was what is this glory that it's talking about? Were they, did they have the glory that Jesus had when he was in heaven? The obvious answer to that is no. So what is this glory that it's talking about? I believe it's that unity that he had with the Father, that he is saying, that's the unity, Father, I'm praying that my followers will have. Because you remember in John 13, he said, there's one way that everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one mm. another, as I have loved you. The, shall we say, the, the important point there is not love one another. The important point is we are to love one another as he has loved us. Mm. The Godheads were certainly united. Tony Palmer who at one stage was the Pope's envoy, yes. was speaking to a large group of people in the United States of America. He used this very text to promote unity between religions. He also said this, we shouldn't get worried about doctrine. And then he pointed to the sky and he said, we all sort that out when they're up there. Now, Tony Palmer is dead. Yes. He died in a motorcycle accident in Scotland I think it was. Yeah, that's right. However, I disagree with the emphasis that he put here. I agree with the text, but I disagree with the emphasis. Being united for the sake of being united is not, is unity. not unity at all. 
Brenton's put his finger on the pulse of this when he talks about if you love one another. And I want to read a text from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And here we're talking about unity, family unity. And the the thing, the glue that holds a family together is love. The glue that holds society together is love and respect. So this is a very, very key point. The glue that holds, the, the glue for unity is love. Primarily, love for God. If a person loves God, there will be an automatic spin-off. Yeah. Mm. And we will love one another. Isn't it, thank you, Len. Isn't it interesting that it says God is love? Mm. It doesn't say God is loving. We know he is loving. But it's actually saying God is love. Yep. He is love personified, if you like. You know, completely, utterly, he is love. The implication yes. of that is that God cannot do anything out of any other motive than love. Yes. Even if it seems to be, a, uh, to us, it might be a harsh something, but it's still out of love. Mm. The mm. Bible talks about the destruction of the wicked, the final destruction of the wicked, describes it as God's strange act. Yes. Mm. But God does it out of love. I want to give a little illustration before we move on. We had a dog, beautiful dog. We, Some of you might even know our dog. We called it Pip. Mm. Pip got very sick to the end of his life. He had a good long life, but the vet said he had cancer. And Pip was a glorious dog. He used to play, he was obedient, and all sorts of things like that. But at the end, he was really suffering. Why did we have Pip put down? It wasn't because we didn't love him, it's because we did love him. Mm-hmm. And even in cases where God yeah. has to punish people, he has to punish, he punishes them out of love because he can't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting too, thank you for sharing that story, Nan, but it was interesting what you said before, that um, people will know that we are his disciples if we what? Love one another. another. Mm. And I think that's a very key text as well. But Brenton, how can we be filled with this love? I think Romans 5 might give us a clue there. 5 verse 5. 5 and verse 5. It says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Um, When we receive Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And... God's love for us is reflected in our lives. Uh, when when a person accepts Jesus, and we've heard on our radio broadcasts down through the um, months and years, we have heard testimonies of people who have come to know the Lord. When they've come to know the Lord, this love that it's talking about in Romans 5, 5 is, is shed abroad in their hearts. Because the first thing that happens when a person accepts Jesus is people who knew them formerly say, what is it with you? Why are you so different? Mm. You're a totally different person from what you were before. The answer is found in Romans 5 verse 5. Isn't the love of God is shed abroad mm. in their hearts. It's almost like going into a room where someone is wearing Chanel number 5. <laughs> it's, really, it's really strong and everyone goes, 
who who's got the perfume on today well it's the same sort of uh, experience when a person accepts jesus i believe isn't that good to know that we don't have to force love we don't have to literally anguish over it all the time because the promise is there that it's the holy spirit okay um we've got a command about love i think lynn somewhere in the bible haven't okay, we what, well, what's that where is that this found? is found in in john the gospel of john mm-hmm. chapter 15 and verse 12 and Jesus says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, I've actually um, done a Give Me the Bible series about the commands that Jesus gave, the things that he said you should do and that you shouldn't do. And here he says, My command, in other words, because you belong to me, this, is, this must be the outcome Mm-hmm. of what happens as a result of belonging to me. Mm. Yes. And then he adds to it. He gives a degree of how we should love each other. And the degree is, as I have loved mm. you. Now, that's a pretty tall order. <laughs> Very. Mm. Nevertheless, it's still an aim how we should deal with other people. How did Jesus deal with people? Even really bad people. He dealt with them kindly and beautifully. In that, sorry, go on. uh, Mm -hmm. He didn't beat around the bush. Mm -hmm. He sometimes gave parables and things to make them realise their mistakes. But this is the tall order that we have, to love one another as Christ loved us. And I know we're going to talk more about that a bit later on, mm. so I won't steal anyone's thunder. Just, just while you're talking then, I was thinking of a text in Romans 5, 8 that, um, you know, you said Christ loved, how did he treat people who didn't love him or treated him badly or whatever? And I think Romans 5, 8 covers it fairly well. Did you, could you share that with us, please? Yes, in, uh, in Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that just beautiful? It mm-hmm. is. Just, that's an amazing text. Yes, thank you, Nick. And this uh, really describes the type of love with which God loves us and that's agape because uh, you know um, if you look from a Greek uh, um, explanation of love there are five types Hmm. of uh, love I may just mention about a couple of them Um, one of them is this agape which is uh, a love which is totally unselfish and totally dedicated to others yes there is like a filial type of love, or eros, uh, just to mention a couple of them. Storge. Sometime, that's, that's another one, sometime we express our love towards others from our own understanding of love, of love. Mm. instead of just look at what God did for us, mm. and then to to just reflect that love. And uh, we have a good example, John, who just uh, wrote, uh, you know, uh, um, some of these wonderful uh, texts in the Bible. He was a man of thunder. He was a man, you know, which, yeah, which was not the one who, we look in this text, encouraging to love each other as God loved us. Because he understood the change in his life and another thing which I would like to just point out is that 
is not just good enough to quote from the Bible. Mm-hmm. We need to show yeah. through our life about the change of mm-hmm. knowing sure. God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Nick. I'm just going to throw open to the panel and anybody would like to make a comment about how we can show the same sacrificial love that Jesus had. How can we show that in our own lives? Just short answers if someone has Well, I would like to say this. It's putting our own interests aside for the interests of others. Here's a little example. You're driving along the road and somebody's broken down. You're in a hurry. Whose interests come first? Hmm. Yours, because you're in a hurry, or theirs, because you're that kind of person who's prepared Mm. to put yourself out for other people. Mm. And so you would help them. Lenin, this morning I was thinking along that line, and for example, you you drive, you're in a hurry to get work, and you're praying to God that the green light will stay on. Not thinking that on other side of the traffic light somebody is praying that the red will go off and the green to come on because they are in a hurry too, maybe. Puts God in a bit of a dilemma, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Brenton, do you want to make a comment? It's a difficult one. Mm-hmm. How can we show this same sacrificial love in our lives? It's easy to say put others first. I think most of us appreciate that in our own lives it's a constant battle. Mm-hmm. It's a constant battle between saying, yes, this is, this is what God wants me to do, but this is what I want to do. This is what Paul talks about in Romans 7, about the things I would do, I don't do, and the things I wouldn't do, I do. And I think that um, the answer is daily surrender to the Lord. Absolutely. If I can invite our listeners to spend time in reading the Word each morning, but beyond that to say, Lord... I want you to be first in my life today. I want my old self to be crucified and I want Jesus to live his life out in me because that is the only way that I can fulfil this. And if we have a problem with selfishness, (coughs) it's almost a moment Mm. by moment, isn't it? Well, I'm going through this dilemma at the moment. Mm. I have had a tenant in a property that we own. Uh, the lease finished at the end of January. It's now middle of May, and he's had to clean up and he's cleaned some of the stuff. But there's a pile of rubbish that he's left in the front yard, and I've sent him a number of text messages. I've spoken to him personally, and he still hasn't done it. And I have to say, some feelings of resentment have welled up within me uh, even to the degree where I thought well I would load his rubbish on my trailer and dump it in front of his place and this has happened if you look on YouTube yes it does um, people have done that I don't think that's sacrificial love hang on I haven't finished yet <laughs> I know. he's getting to the punchline however, <laughs> however I thought no I can't do that no. as a Christian I would like to do it not motivated by Christian thoughts But the Christian thing is to do is to forgive him Mm. and to treat him in a good way rather than to get revenge. It's a golden rule, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. as you would have someone treat you. Mm. So I've given him another chance before he gets his rubbish. (laughs) 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 We didn't hear that last bit, Liam. In our limit, human beings' minds, we just cannot comprehend of Jesus' sacrifice for us. So 
theoretically, yeah, we say, oh, yeah, Jesus died for me, Jesus died for everybody, but we just cannot comprehend whatever he suffered and whatever he done for us. And even now, as a mediator at the right-hand side of the Father, he is still sacrificing for us. Mm. And... Uh, in our daily life and every minute of my life I have to sacrifice for the one who is next to me we have to sacrifice in the family if we have a family we have to sacrifice for husbands and wives and for our children also so I am in in a constant moment of sacrificing myself not theoretically but it's very hard it's not easy to live a life of sacrificial love. Mm, it's you. daring in you, but this it means true love. And also, I would love to say that when we have children and we, uh, when we uh, educate them and punish them, it hurts us. It hurts our, us in our hearts because we are doing this because we love them. Exactly in the same way as Len mentioned before, God punishes us and it hurts to him to punish us but he wants to correct us yeah. thank you yes. I just want to pick up uh, to follow up with uh, what Len was sharing through his experience and uh, you know that story in the Bible it says that um, if somebody throws at you with stones you should throw back to them with bread interesting enough that um, a little story just came to my mind when uh, faithful family in their village um, they were uh, abused by the community because they uh, decided to follow God and was not on the what the, the community desired to see happening in their community and they um, decided to to chase them out of their community and because it's not very simple to push them out they thought what we should do we are going to demolish their house and one Sunday morning the community get together and they start to take from the top of the roof take the tiles down everything and start to demolish the house and by lunchtime the lady came and this is a true story by the way by lunchtime and happened in communist Romania the lady came out in the house you know they were still on the roof there almost finished the roof you know and said um, Look, I just prepared a lunch. I mean, you work very hard until now. Would you mind come down and have uh, something to eat? Now, you see that sort of uh, attitude mm. to pay back with not what Able they deserve. Evil with good. With good. We are driven today in today's yeah. society mm. by our own interests. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes we find in the Bible even excuses how to deal with those with our neighbor um, that we may be like the the Pharisees in the Bible you know and they they didn't even took care of their parents and they find in the Bible uh, uh, excuses mm -hmm. yeah thank you for those stories while you were talking I had a very short one came into my head many years ago we had a bush block in Victoria and it joined on to a council section and one morning we woke up and we heard this chainsaw going and so my husband went down to find out what was going on. And here was this man cutting down our trees. 
uh, he actually thought he was on the council land, but he was actually cutting down our trees. And my husband said to him, he said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm just getting a bit of firewood. And um, he said, um, do you, do you realise you're on private property? Oh, no, no, this is a council section. And my husband, and he had a trailer there and everything to take all this wood away. And my husband said, well, actually, it's our property, but I tell you what, I'll give you a hand. I'll load the trailer up with the wood for you. And the man was just flabbergasted, you know. And and I thought that was a a great thing to do too. But Brenton, give me an answer, please. Why do you love Jesus? Well, 1 John 4.19 says we love him because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to also read verse 17, Mm -hmm. which says love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, that's interesting because a lot of Christians today are concerned about the judgment. They're concerned about, are they going to come out of it on the right side or the wrong side? What this text actually says is that perfect love, perfect trust in God ensures that there is nothing to fear in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we. And I think that's really good news for people out there who are struggling with perhaps worrying about the judgment and how they're going to fare in the judgment, these texts give us comfort. They give us consolation and they also give us peace because if we have this love of God in our heart, we have nothing to fear in the judgment. I think that's wonderful news. That is good. Thank you for that. Why do I love Jesus? Yes. To me personally, if if life would be without Jesus, I think would be a very miserable life. I just cannot comprehend la- life without Jesus. I cannot comprehend. For me, yeah. life without Jesus, I don't want to exist. I've been on both sides. Sure. I've been without him, and then I was brought into the light with him, and I just love him so much. And, I, you know, having experienced life without him, never do I want to go back to that again, ever. Mm. You didn't ask me. No, mm. I was coming to you, Len. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> we haven't forgotten you, Len. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say this, that Brenton has given my answer for oh, me. Sorry, Len. <laughs> we love him because he first loved us. Mm. If I didn't know he loved us, I probably wouldn't even bother mm. loving him. But mm. I do know that he loved me, that he gave his life for me, and that evokes a response from me, which is in turn love. Absolutely. Mm. Sure. Absolutely. Nick, did you want to add very quickly? I'm just thinking, uh, Helen, right now, because as we come up with these ideal situations, and it's very important to know what God is teaching us through the Bible. I wonder, looking at this world and looking even into the Christian world, and I see so much discrepancy there, and I wonder how do we understand them, the love of God? Do we really fully understand and take it in our heart, or we just, through what we're reading in the Bible, we come like uh, pretending, you know, that we know God? I think, I think, Nick... One answer to that is that the closer we come to him, the closer we come to him, we will probably never fully understand his love. But the closer we come to him, our hearts burn within us, you know, and and we just love him all that more. I know that's been my experience. And, um, you know, we'll have all eternity 
to bask in his love but we can bask in it even today you know trust him completely i love him he's never ever let me down there's been some hard lessons to learn but he's taken me through every step of the way mm. and he's just my best friend wouldn't be without him you know in this country a young man took a stand for some principles yes. just recently i wouldn't name even yeah. uh, the situation necessarily but he took a stand and now he's uh, he's um, you know persecuted mm. and what even discourages me that people with christian values they think so have condemned have condemned him mm. by standing up for values for principles and I'm, that's why I'm wondering, you know, how can we define that true love of Jesus Christ demonstrated in us mm -hmm. and simply cannot be otherwise but through their fruits. Mm -hmm. You'll know them mm -hmm. if they are connected yes. with me or not. Yes. yes, we need to move on. Yes, thank we, you. We're talking about how uh, love is demonstrated. It's when we put others' interests ahead of their, our own. Mm -hmm. In the case that you were talking about, Nick, when we put the interests of God above our own interests, it demonstrates our love for him. Yes. That's true. That's true. And we're talking about love. Lydia, can you just share with us the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, but just um, verses 4 to 7, we're running out of time. Yeah. Yes, Thank it you. says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. As I read this, I know this text since I was young, and um, I'm so far away from this, you know? Mm. As, as we read, uh, we feel like uh, in heaven, and thinking of that, when we know that God is love, and God lives in a love environment, we as human beings, we are so degraded, and I always, I always longed to have this pure love in my heart, mm -hmm. to be kind, to be gentle, to be, and so on and so on. But I always fail. Mm. I always fail. And I'm trying harder and harder and harder and harder. Yes. And I'm, re I'm realizing that it is because I am a sinful person. I was born in sin. I live in sin. And I really long to have this pure heavenly love in myself and to be love created in every little cell to radiate of love yes thank I you believe it's a step, i believe it's a step forward in what you just said lija when we recognize that we are uh, falling short of the glory of god because apostle paul looked at himself and saw how how sinful he is the problem is with us when we are boastful when we think look we are good people we are, uh, you know, we knowing God now and we are doing good things. Actually, when you know God, you see how bad you are <laughs> because you look at the, the righteous God who came on this earth to die for us when we were sinners.
And that's probably our biggest problem today and maybe over the whole history of humanity when we look up at ourselves and thinking, you know what, I'm not as bad mm. as that person or the other. Yeah. I think, I think um, what Lydia just read out, Lydia, may I just say, may I just put your word mm. into that text um, that Lydia, through the power of the Holy Spirit, suffers long and is kind. Mm. Lydia envies not. Lydia vaunts not herself, is not puffed up. She does not behave herself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but Lydia rejoices through the Spirit in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know, give it to the Lord and through the Holy Spirit. I just, I just pray that each of us can can say to the Lord, you know, please, please give us these qualities of love into our life by your Spirit that we may be one. Mm. Helen, there's an interesting point on that one mm-hmm. that James talks about, which um, wasn't included in our discussion. Mm-hmm. You may know the text. We tend to quote the last part of it. Um, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Mm-hmm. The first part of it, it says, humble yourself before God. Submit to him. Yes. Resist the devil and he will flee yes. from you. The resistance comes from submitting to God. Amen. Because it's God who is the only one who has the power to do what Lydia was talking about. Mm-hmm. So we have to submit in order to resist. Yes, mm. The two seem to be mutually exclusive, yes. but they're not. No. By submitting to God, he will resist the devil, just as he did in the wilderness of temptation. Mm-hmm. He will resist the devil and cause him to Absolutely. flee. And I will love this promise <coughs> in First Thessalonians 3.12. says, May the Lord make your love increase and yes. overflow for each other and for everyone else. I was actually going to use that at the end, but that's fine. It's a beautiful statement. Thank you for sharing it. But just panel very quickly, just give me a short version. What do you think is the main thing that destroys families? Selfishness. Selfishness, absolutely. Does anybody Because else selfishness want to make a comes from the devil. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, in, in, in God's environment there's nothing selfish, you know, because you are altruist. You, lo- you, you, you live for others. You, you, you look first of all for others, for others to be happy, for others to have, for others to be joyful and so on and so on. So selfishness is looking towards yourself all the time. Can I suggest that uh, one of the main things that destroys family is a feeling by some members of the family that they are not loved Mm. as well as others. In other words, in a family environment, and we haven't got time, or we won't have time, I think, today to look at the situation with uh, Jacob and Joseph and his brothers. It's a very simple case of favouritism. How often in families, favouritism just causes constant friction and division. It's necessary, I believe, um, in order to, to have this cohesiveness, this unity that God talks about. It is necessary for a father and mother to clearly demonstrate to the children that there are no favourites, yeah. that we love them all That's equally. True. That's true. And even saying that, uh, Brenton, you know, there are situations where you cannot control that. Yes. And the ultimate thing is to to come back to each one of us, not to be trapped in and to be to excuse ourselves or our uh, Um, you know repulsion or whatever Mm. because of how we've been treated because Jesus himself been treated uh, totally wrong we don't have to follow that totally wrong that's what I'm saying Mm. and but he loved us through the end Mm. and that's yeah very very important because the demand 
of the each one of us is to be recognized, yes. to be loved, to be understood, to be and Very so on. Yes. But in the end, the ultimate thing is for us, regardless of anything of that, if we mm. if we cannot receive, we know that we receive from God yes. His love. Amen. Amen. But does God love us unequally? No, He doesn't. He loves everybody equally. Yeah. And that's, that's our goal. That's our, yeah. our thing. As human beings, our natures have been corrupted by sin. Yes. And perhaps the greatest example of that corruption is what we've been talking about, the curse of selfishness. Yes. We seem to be born selfish. And we can see this reality in small children whose basic nature is want for themselves. Me, me, me. <laughs> By the time we reach adulthood, this trait of character can manifest itself in some pretty terrible ways, mm, especially in the home. That is so true, isn't it? That so, is very so true. true. Fortunately, we have Jesus' example, and, and he was completely unselfish, wasn't he? Mm, yes. Yes. yes, and he gives us the example. I think there's a text, isn't there? There, 1 John... Two verse Two six. Verse six. It says, "He who says he abides in Him, the He is capitals here, but it's not talking about God. It's talking about a person who claims that they know God. He who abides in Him ought himself also to walk as He walked." To summarise that text in very simple everyday language, it simply means that if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you should your life should follow the same pattern that his followed. Absolutely. And it doesn't take a genius to read the scriptures to find out that Christ's life was one of total unselfishness. He was totally devoted to the needs of others to the detriment of himself on many occasions. Absolutely. And I believe that's what he calls us to. It's hard going, but I believe that's what he calls us to. Mm, absolutely. And in <coughs> Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, it says... Do nothing out of self, selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Many times I came across this text and I... I tried to practice in my own life, in my own experience, to see others better than me and uh, see others, uh, put others also ahead of me in everything. Thank you, Lydia. That, that's very true. What Helen, you're can saying. I suggest what Lydia was just saying? Though mm. it, it, it's not not just a case of internalizing the fact that I need to put Len ahead of me or Lydia ahead of me or Nick or yourself, it has to be demonstrated to others yes. that you have in fact put that person ahead of you. Well, that, that's, and that's the hard that's bit. That's true. Um, Len, there is a text in 1 John 3, 16 and 18, but because we're almost out of time, time can All you right. just tell me what the last part says about my little children, please? Well, it says, dear children, that's addressing people, not yes, just thank children, you. Yeah. God's children. Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And that's virtually what we've been saying, isn't mm. it? Love yeah. is demonstrated by how we treat people. Yes. That's, that's so yeah. true. Mm -hmm. And a word that goes um, together with selflessness is submission. And there's a text very quickly in Ephesians 5.21 that, that um, 
I think you might have that there in front oh, of you. I do. Yeah, I do. It says submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submit, submitting in this sense simply means to treat others. Paul, Paul says this in several places. He simply says that in this submission is a submission of treating others as superior to yourself. That's impossible without the love of God in your heart. Absolutely impossible. You cannot do it. But yep. if you have the love of God in your heart, you can submit to each other in that this Christian That is so, way. so true. There is so much more that we could go into today. And, you know, I almost wish we had a couple of hours here. But yes. ju- just uh, before that, Helen, because um, following up to that verse which uh, Brenton, you just mentioned, uh, I will encourage our listeners to look into chapter 5 and, uh, you know, up to, you know, chapter 6, verse 9 to understand why God is putting down those things there and it's about uh, family it's about husband and wife it's about uh, respect uh, love uh, submission which interesting enough submission it's a word which people don't really like it but you don't submit because somebody is Forcing, um, you forcing you to submit. Now, submission comes from within. It, you it's real, and you realize that you need to submit, and that if you do that way, then you'll do what God requires to do. But if you just want to, okay, yeah, to fulfill the law, or uh, I will do this because uh, I'm, I've been asked to do. Yeah. I don't feel like that, doing that's it. It's mechanical. Submission. Absolutely. Mm. But if you submit in the true way, I believe it will change the whole. Uh, situation of uh, relationship. That's that's true. Well, um, friends, just there are two texts I'd like two texts I'd like to finish on today. The first is found in Hebrews thirteen verse five, and it shares good counsel from Jesus as well as a promise of commitment. It says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for He has said." I will never leave, leave you, you nor forsake thee. The second text I want to leave you with it's is... one of my favourites. One, thank one. you, is 1 Thessalonians three twelve and 13. It says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts, unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Today we've been talking about family unity. And I want to leave you with a little story. And you might have heard it, but I think it's applicable. It says, when you see geese heading south for winter, flying in their familiar V formation, you might be interested in knowing why they fly that way. Science has learned that as each bird flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the bird immediately behind it. And by flying in a V formation, the flock together gains over 70% more flying range than if each bird flew on its own. Like the geese, people who share a common direction and a sense of community can get where they are going quicker and easier because they're travelling on the thrust of one another. Families that are in unit are an effective witness for Christ. So let me just give you a couple of pointers as we wrap up. Pray daily for the presence of Christ in our homes, in our churches. All the common waters of life, Christ can turn into the wine of heaven. Ask daily for the mindset of Jesus, the spirit of love and compassion towards others. And go daily with faith. Thank you for listening today. And Len, would you please close with prayer? Thank you. Father in heaven, we recognize and have shared this morning how that love keeps the wheels of the world turning. Without it, everything stops. We recognize too that your love, as demonstrated in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, 
and as demonstrated by human beings as we accept you, that um, this love might be exhibited by your followers, and not just that, might be um, shared by everybody as they learn about the love of God for them. We thank you for this Bible study, and we just pray for each person who's been listening that the Holy Spirit might lead them to a, a relationship with you where they can share your love and demonstrate your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Amen.